We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. of the Ascended Masters have been called the path above the path. The Ascended Masters themselves are the saints and sages of East and West, and their teachings incorporate the original core beliefs of all the world's major religions. No matter which religious path you follow, you will find these teachings equally compelling. This is The Open Door. Come along with us as we explore the teachings of the Ascended Masters. Here are the hosts for The Open Door, Ross Brunson and Tom Schumacher. Well, greetings and um, hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us again today. You are tuned to The Open Door, the Internet voice of the Summit Lighthouse, where we publish and practice the teachings of the Ascended Masters. I'm Tom Schumacher. And I'm Ross Brunson. You know, uh, we've recently become aware that there are quite a few of you out there in our listening audience. And, of course, we're extremely grateful that you've mm-hmm. all chosen to join us. You know, we truly are thankful, and we want to make sure that we are giving you what you want. So, once again, we invite you to let us know what you like about our show. And even what you may not like so much. You know, is there something you want to know more about? Mm-hmm. Whatever you'd like us to know, please send in your comments to webradio at tsl.org. You know, of course, we promise not to use your name on the air or, do that. or anywhere else for that matter. Your comments will be completely anonymous and confidential. You know, unless you want everyone to know who you are, of course. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so please send your comments to webradio at tsl.org. And once again, thanks for joining us. You know, you are the reason we're here. Now, where were we? Hmm, I think today we're <laughs> going to continue the focus that we had established last week with the human aura. You know, this really is a big subject, it which is. is why we've chosen to devote two shows to it. Today, we're going to look a little more deeply into the colors of the aura and what they mean. You know, Tom, last week we established that the human aura is essentially an emanation or, you know, a, a manifestation mm-hmm. of light energy or a force field that surrounds us right. in our bodies. Mm-hmm. And we said that it was the most highly concentrated, typically around the head and the spinal column. Yeah, you know, the halos that are depicted surrounding the heads of mm-hmm. saints will give you some idea of this concentration of light. You know, and we've all got an aura, maybe even a saintly aura, <laughs> though we don't typically pay that much attention to it. You know, it is literally through the aura that we interact with life. And there's a very good reason why this is. Well, here we go again. Our roles as co-creators with God. Got it in again, didn't That's right, you did. (laughs) Yeah, I know we probably sound like broken records. But the truth is, God's energy animates everything we do, every thought, word, and deed. Which is why we constantly (laughs) caution everyone, ourselves included, be careful for us, (laughs) to be very careful with both what and how we create. You know, and our creations leave telltale traces in our consciousness and world. Well, like the color, the intensity, and the vibrancy of our auras. Yeah, exactly. You know, and here's the thing. The creator has placed a portion of himself within us, Mm -hmm. beginning with the threefold flame in the heart that we've spoken of before. 
And our aura is continuously interacting with our threefold flame as well as with both our inner and outer realities. You know, that's powerful stuff, Tom. Oh, man. I mean, you can, can you feel this resonating within you? And this really speaks to me. I, I love the aura and the, and the concept of the chakras. Our aura is, is like an organic sending and receiving mechanism, mm -hmm. the transfer station. It's, it's constantly aware and engaged with where, whatever and wherever we are and what we're feeling. Yo, absolutely. Uh, and as we spoke of last week, it doesn't take a rocket surgeon <laughs> to know what certain auras contain. <laughs> I think that's, uh, let's see, brain surgeon? Anyway, I've yeah, well, um, you know. been around somebody lately who was <laughs> angry, upset, sad. I mean, not only were you probably able to understand without words what their emotional experience was, <laughs> but if asked, you could probably have come up with a color that you, you know, associated with what you felt. Oh, yeah, like anger is often both seen and felt as red, for mm -hmm. example. Mm -hmm. Some people have black moods. Oh, come on, you mean like we can feel colors? <laughs> sure. You know, how about when you're feeling that pink plume of love. Well, then things look and feel, you know, pretty rosy. Which indeed they do. Now, of course, when our, when our moods change, we now know that mm -hmm. so do our force fields. Mm -hmm. And we can tell when our auric force fields are full and when they're not. I mean, we can go from the rose blush of love to the crimson intensity of passion. In a heartbeat. That's right. You know, and we must point out that there are plenty of times when what we perceive and what is real are two different things, mm -hmm. such as when someone entices us with sweet words, you know, when they're actually seeking to, manip to manipulate or control us. Right, and yeah. we've all known a few sweet talkers in our lives. <laughs> one we? or two, you know, yeah. That's right, and we hope not to be one. Uh -huh. uh, you know, but did we trust them? Mm, There's some no. sort of a feeling that goes along with it, then, and you just kind of say, mm, no, I don't trust that person. Yeah. Now, we said earlier that there are times when we can readily read another person's energy, yeah. but there are also many times when we can't. You just mm -hmm. don't get anything or, you know, the, uh, we find out the more that we tune in, however, yeah. the better we can become at discerning the truth of that given situation. Well, but it's in, like any skill that we wish to learn. It not just doesn't take practice, but it takes practice and the right action in the first place. Well, absolutely. You know, and this reading um, mm -hmm. is really all about understanding what's in another's aura. You know, again, everyone has an aura. It's right. like a second skin. Well, and the more we focus on the qualities that we ourselves want in our lives, mm -hmm. the more evident they're going to become for us and our perception and spirituality are definitely enlarged by this. You know, and at some point made fully real. Right. You know, as our skills at reading and relating to auras at an energetic level are practiced and honed, mm -hmm. we become more perceptive, sensitive, and understanding of others and what they want and need. Mm -hmm. But, you know, let's go back for a moment to the idea of how our auras interrelate and are interdependent with all life. Right. You know, we were talking a moment ago about how we can feel another's aura or energy field under certain circumstances, yeah. you know, even if they're not there, like anger, mm -hmm. sadness. Or love. Yeah, absolutely love. Yeah. But we also want to stress that our auras can be easily affected by another person's aura. Oh, yeah. If we've ever had an encounter <laughs> with somebody where it just like changes your day, you yeah. know, for the good or for the bad. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we we can even be overpowered by another person's yeah. aura. So along with attaining a, a higher degree of awareness of auras, ours and, our, and other people's, mm -hmm. we also want to make it a practice to protect our auras from undue outer influence. Oh, you know, like from loud, discordant noise, um, unhealthy mm -hmm. and chaotic rhythms. Yep. Uh, you know, vibrations of extreme imbalance and insanity. Yeah. Well, when we really tune into our auras and our experience at this level, we can become very adept in mm -hmm. knowing when something is in our environment that isn't good for us. You know, our auras are continuously relaying this information to us. As we said at the outset of the program, 
Our auras are constantly sending and receiving information, and it's up to us to pay attention. Our joke inside the family is that uh, if somebody's <laughs> upset, it's like, I feel a disturbance in the force. Yeah, right. Made the force. But it's very descriptive yeah. of you know what we're about to hear. Now, our friend Terry Kennedy is going to uh, talk here just in a second with more on the nature and the quality of our auras, mm -hmm. including a bit more on the fact that our auras are constantly changing. Take it away, Terry. The aura is an example of the interdependence of all life because it is through the aura and the seven chakras that emanations of love, feelings of joy, and buoyancy flow and are received and transmitted. Through the aura, we all interact with life. We interact with distant galaxies and distant stars, and we have the capacity to give and receive energy. The concrete force field of man, the physical body, is the focal point on which all of this hangs. The physical body, the mental body, the emotional body, and the memory body all interpenetrate as four interconnecting sheaths. What is the source of the aura? We can conclude that our Creator has placed a portion of Himself within us, beginning with the threefold flame in the heart. We know that the aura is actually a garment we wear. It is a transmitting and receiving station, it is highly susceptible to the mass consciousness, to emanations from beyond our planet, and even to beings who are beyond our level of consciousness. Think of the plane in which we live as a thin line in time and space, with a vast cosmos above and below. This cosmos consists of frequencies that our five senses are not equipped to deal with. Considering this, we can realize that if the aura itself extends beyond this thin black line, then it can be used as an extension of the self into other dimensions. For instance, as a space probe, or a time probe, or as an energy that actually enables us, while we are tied to this physical frame, to explore many planes of consciousness. Many people realize that as our moods change, so our force field changes. We know how we feel when we have had a good night's sleep. The aura is recharged. It is charged with prana and with the emanations of the stars and of the earth currents, and we awake with a certain charge of energy. We also know how we feel when we are depleted. These are not merely physical conditions. These conditions are based on how much of the energy of God's consciousness we take in and retain. People notice that in prayer or meditation, they increase self-awareness and increase the manifestation of the aura and of the chakras. We notice that children can deplete the aura very quickly when they have a prolonged period of crying or a tantrum or become angry because their needs are not immediately met. At the conclusion, they usually drop off to sleep. They are exhausted because they have expended the energy content of the aura. We find that certain types of music deplete our auras, while other types of music give us a sense of buoyancy and joy and of contacting realms of light where we feel imbued by the consciousness of angels and ascended beings. The aura is constantly being played upon, and the reading of the aura is a profound science because there are so many levels and layers of the aura to be reckoned with. An accurate analysis of the aura cannot be made from the surface, just as a doctor cannot produce an analysis of the health of the body by simply looking at the surface. We may see manifestations in the aura that have to do with the type of environment the individual lives in, the pressures and tensions of life that he is under, or the amount of karma that he is carrying that day.
but that surface reading may tell us nothing of the deep soul yearnings and of an intense manifestation of light that comes from other lifetimes and incarnations. It is important to realize that the aura is continually changing, like the blip on a tape recording machine that registers the levels of one's voice. The aura is a pulsating manifestation. It changes color and actually reflects the colors of frequencies that can be interpreted by the one who reads the aura as qualities of light or of darkness. Each color represents a certain band of frequencies in the electromagnetic spectrum. Color is more than color. It is actually vibration. For instance, when we love with purity, without desiring to possess, control, or manipulate loved ones, there is a pure stream of pink energy that comes forth from the heart and fills the aura. This is why we say when people are in love that life is rosy and that people see through rose-colored glasses. Their auras are so imbued with the pink energy and the pink spectrum that they can only behold life in that love energy. Therefore, they are not critical or analytical, but they are buoyed up by their own sense of the presence of God as love. When love becomes impure because of lust and darkness and carnal manipulation and a misuse of that sacred energy of life, the auras of people become charged with a vibration, hence a color, that is not the pure pink of that rosy-cheeked babe that represents the fullness of our concept of love. The pink will take on perhaps a crimson color of passion or a dark gray and black tone and quality, the death-like grip of the attempt to control individuals, whether one's children or whomever one is sharing a relationship with. But because most people are not capable of reading the aura, they are often misled by the words, the sweet words that someone may be speaking, rather than seeing beyond to the motive of the heart and the motive of desire within the subconscious. Because people do not read the aura, they must rely on an inner sense, almost a sixth sense. Pilate was not able to read the aura of Jesus, or he would never have turned him over to the Sanhedrin. He had to rely on the dream of his wife to determine that, this is a good man, leave him alone. How impoverished we are that we think we have to rely on dreams, astrology, etc., when the aura is giving us, as though it were shouting from the housetops, every reading we need. When we return, we will hear Elizabeth Clare Prophet in an interview entitled The Colors of the Aura, in which she examines the meaning of specific colors in the aura, as well as more on the nature of the aura as an extension of the self. for a transforming world. Seventh Wave Network. The Mayan calendar tells us that we will be entering into a 260-day opportunity for us to engage in conscious co-creation with great spirit. How will we prepare ourselves for this exciting and unprecedented time in Earth's history? Peter Tung has dedicated over 20 years of his life's work to exploring that which is beyond understanding. Peter will help increase your awareness and education on this enlightening transformation in consciousness. Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation airs live Wednesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? And how do I get there? These are some of the basic questions we all ask ourselves on the spiritual path, and the answers we find certainly vary. Who are you? 
You are a child of God, and as a child of God, you carry within you the seed of actually becoming God. This seed is your Christ self, the same in you that is in Jesus Christ. Why are you here? To master yourself in order to graduate from Earth's schoolroom and reunite with the heart of God. Essentially, you are following in the footsteps of Jesus and other great saints and sages who have gone before. Where are you going? Home. Call it Nirvana, the hereafter, the heaven world, whatever you want. It's the next stop on your journey. And finally, how do you get there? Let us show you how. Visit us at www.tsl.org. We are the Summit Lighthouse. We practice and publish the teachings of the Ascended Masters, and we've got answers to all of your questions. Visit tsl.org today. The Summit Lighthouse. Master yourself. Become God. Be extraordinary. Seventh Wave Network. You are listening to The Open Door, hosted by Ross Brunson and Tom Schumacher. If you have a question or comment about our series, please send your emails to webradio at tsl.org. That's webradio at tsl.org. Now, back to The Open Door. Welcome back. In the following interview, Elizabeth Clara Prophet shares a great deal about this amazing second skin that we wear called the aura. Our interviewer is Doug Kenyon. What is the specific meaning of colors in the aura? Color, Doug, is a manifestation of frequency. And frequency is a manifestation of consciousness or one's state of consciousness. Therefore, in reading the aura, when one sees color, one can determine what is the state of consciousness if one understands the colors which correlate to states of consciousness. For instance, Kathumi says, as the intensity of the white and the violet light is increased in the aura, especially those shades which are pale and ethereal, one notes the enlarging of man's perceptions and an increase in spirituality. Just as color reflects consciousness, so color amplifies consciousness. And therefore, if through our mantras and our prayers to God, we increase the light of purity and of the violet flame, we will also accelerate our consciousness on those rays of God. We have discussed the seven rays of God as the prism of the Holy Spirit and as the seven lines or seven ways of Christhood which we can walk. And we have also correlated these seven rays with the seven chakras or the centers in the temple of being. Speaking then of the violet light and the white light, we are speaking of two of the sacred centers of God and man. And these centers are for the amplification of that frequency of consciousness which manifests as the white light and the violet light. The base of the spine chakra of the mother, the mother center, is the one which gives forth the pure white light when its energies are held in the purity of Alpha and Omega. Alpha and Omega being symbolical of the divine polarity, masculine and feminine energies which are held, concentrated in each chakra. The violet flame 
corresponds to the seat of the soul chakra. It is the color of freedom and the quality of mercy. It is the energy of transmutation. The violet light in the aura denotes that the soul is free to commune with God, and therefore there is always reflected in the aura whether man is maintaining the crystal clear stream of God's consciousness released through the seven chakras or whether he is misqualifying those energies and thereby producing a muddied stream. Although not everyone is capable of reading the aura directly, at subconscious levels within the soul and at the level of the Christ mind, we all have perceptions of one another and we register these perceptions and there are certain characteristics which we read in one another even at subconscious levels or superconscious levels which tell us much about the individual before we even know that person. We are usually aware when we are in the presence of someone who is holy and often we have a warning when we are in the presence of someone who is dangerous. This is an indication that although we may not have mastered the science and the art of reading the aura that the God within us is aware of the God within others and the uses or misuses of that consciousness by individuals. One can see then that if there is a pale yellow almost golden light in the aura of an individual especially around the head that there is flooding through the mind as Kathumi says the very fingers of cosmic intelligence manifest as interconnecting light rays this energy present within the aura then enables the mind of man to contact the universal mind of God. Now this can come about through meditation upon the Buddha or the Christ, both of whom have given us the key to unlock the crown chakra, which is the yellow center. Then there is the pink fire of divine love that comes forth through the heart, and when it is not qualified, by the human sense of possessiveness, attachment, or inordinate desire in love, produces within the aura a billowing cloud of pink energy, denoting that the individual is infused and filled with an awareness of God as love. The purple fire comes forth from the solar plexus chakra, and it is flecked with a gold flame like 24-carat gold. This tinging of the purple flame with the goal denotes the action of the mastery of the light of peace within the solar plexus and is an indication that the individual whose aura is so infused is active in service to life. Hence, those who are engaged in service to life and to one another will manifest this coloration of the aura. The energy of green comes from the all-seeing eye and indicates a manifestation of truth, abundance, science, and the ability to penetrate and conquer the planes of matter and spirit. Those who have green in the aura are devoted to science and to the practical application of that science. When the pursuit of science becomes muddied by a materialism and the ignorance of God's laws as well as the omission of the flame of the spirit in the very center of science, then the green of the aura no longer reflects the pure emerald hue of the stone by that name, but it becomes muddied, an olive drab, even a brownish green. 
By this we know that science is not carrying the purity and the flow of cosmic consciousness. Those who have the pure emerald green within the aura are healers, and through them and through their chakras flow the healing currents of the Elohim and of the cosmos. The electric blue color which flashes in the aura of Archangel Michael or the devotees of the will of God denotes the presence of purity and power and the alignment of the inner blueprint with the cosmic blueprint of the will of God. It also denotes the energy of the Mercurians and the mastery of the throat chakra in the spoken word. Thus, the reading of the aura will always tell us where there is mastery and attainment in the use of the chakras and where there is a perversion or a willfulness in the misuse of that energy. Does Kathumi teach that the aura is an extension of the self? Not only this, but he says that the tone of the divine aura is an extension of God, just as the mode of thinking and feeling is the extension of the human consciousness. He says that the interference with the aura in its natural pure state by the mortal consciousness and its misqualification of light create the negative colorations that are both seen and felt by the more sensitive among mankind. He says that the muddying of the pure colors of the aura occurs whenever there is a mingling of the emanations of imperfect thoughts and feelings with the pure colors released through the prism of the Christ. This marked change in color and vibration is obvious to the trained eye. For instance, you might have someone who is in a state of contemplation or study or meditation, and the aura might so indicate by the presence of a yellow light, a violet light, and even the presence of blue, the blue faith in God, and all of a sudden there would be some type of an emergency like a fire or a calamity within the household. Suddenly there is the introduction of fear into the aura and suddenly the quietness of the aura is interrupted by a burst of fear which might come forth out of the solar plexus. It would be accompanied by feelings within the individual of butterflies and extreme tension. And this stress would produce a muddying of the violet explosions perhaps of great energies of fear recorded as brown, as black, as gray, a lot of gray substance, and then depending on what the calamity is, grief could come about or people could begin shouting and then you would find a darkening, you would find coming forth from the area of the throat chakra, jagged lines of force, and thus instantaneously we find a complete change in the aura. What Kathumi tells us is that the aura changes moment by moment. The mastery then of the flow of energy in the aura comes about by maintaining a calm state of equilibrium in the midst of whatever happens within the environment, all the while then maintaining one's contact with the source and having the capacity to draw enormous quantities of energy from that source for the stabilizing of conditions which might be upon others within the household. When one is conscious of one's energy field and one zealously guards that energy field as the habitation of God, then one is able to retain one's reservoir of light and not constantly being 
like a cork bobbing upon the sea and being milked of one's light and one's energy and therefore as soon as the cup is filled the spilling of that cup and never making any real permanent progress on the path of discipleship with his usual good humor kuthumi writes always remember dear hearts that those who fall in the swamp may come up covered with mud for the quicksands of life by their very nature always seek to drag man down but man can and does escape these conditions overcoming through the same glorious victory that brings forth the lotus in the swamplands of life i want you to understand then that by a simple act of invoking the light of the christ consciousness man can overcome the ugly chartreuse green of jealousy and resentment the muddied yellow of selfish intellectualism the crimson reds of passion and even the almost violet black attempts of self-righteous justification then he gives us his supreme advice to see others clearly beloved hearts remember that man must first perceive in himself the beautiful crystal of cosmic purity then casting the beam out of his own eye he can see clearly to take the mote out of his brother's eye by the purification of your perceptions you will be able to enjoy the entire process of beholding the christ in self and others as one by one the little disturbances of the aura are cleared up through the natural manifestation of the childlike beauty of cosmic innocence thank you very up, much up next our weekly q and a and today once again we are joined by dr nearly duffy please stay with us your online community for positive change seventh wave network who am i why am i here where am i going and how do i get there these are some of the basic questions we all ask ourselves on the spiritual path and the answers we find certainly vary who are you you are a child of god and as a child of god you carry within you the seed of actually becoming god this seed is your christ self the same in you that is in jesus christ why are you here to master yourself in order to graduate from earth schoolroom and reunite with the heart of god essentially you are following in the footsteps of jesus and other great saints and sages who have gone before where are you going home call it nirvana the hereafter the heaven world whatever you want it's the next stop on your journey and finally how do you get there let us show you how visit us at www.tsl.org we are the summit lighthouse we practice and publish the teachings of the ascended masters and we've got answers to all of your questions visit tsl.org today the summit lighthouse master yourself become god Technology is changing the way we live our lives and how we do business. On CIO Talk Radio, we talk about the benefits of technology and the great things it allows us to do, as well as its risks. Heard every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, Sunjo Gall interviews business leaders and other experts that are shaping the way we use technology. To learn more about this show, visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Keep up with the changing world of technology 
strategy and listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjo Gall. Listen in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, right here on Voice America Business. Listening on a higher dimension. Seventh Wave Network. are listening to The Open Door, hosted by Ross Brunson and Tom Schumacher. If you have a question or comment about our series, please send your emails to webradio at tsl.org. That's webradio at tsl.org. Now, back to The Open Door. We're back, and joining us once again is Dr. Nerly Duffy. Greetings. Hi. Hello. Great to be here. <laughs> Good to have you here. I don't remember precisely <laughs> where we left off last week, but let's begin by talking a little bit about the aspect of color in the aura. Now, we just heard it said again that color both reflects consciousness and it amplifies consciousness. How does color amplify consciousness? Well, amplify simply means it magnetize, magnifies, and amplifies. So huh. if you wear a color, for example, it can really affect you. Hmm. And it's more than just the color. You know, have you ever noticed when you wear a vibrant, beautiful color and you feel great? Or the walls mm-hmm. in your house are lovely and you love it? Mm-hmm. And similarly, you know, a yucky color can make you feel yucky. But it's more than just the color. It's more than the visual cues. It's actually amplifying the energy and the vibration in your aura. And it really affects you. Uh-huh. So this is kind of like those studies where they where they paint the walls yes. in an institution oh, a particular yes. calming blue yes. and the various things. Yes. Yeah, I always kind of feel like music. When yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, hospital colors, you know, yeah. blues and greens. She was just talking about the healing oh, yeah. colors. Yeah. If you have the gray and the white, you know, it doesn't always have the same effect as blue and green is really healing. Right. Well, there was a – I remember reading this some years back where they actually did an experiment using pink – Mm. in holding cells in mm. police offices when they would bring mm. in people after turmoil or whatever and they would bring them put them in these mm-hmm. pink cells mm-hmm. and they just calmed right down they and do they were yeah mm. or pictures yeah. on the walls or all yeah. those visual cues well speaking of that too i know that there has, was a lot uh, you know i some of you may know this but my background is advertising at least part of it and we used to talk about having different colors in combination in physical proximity to people in like restaurants, for example, oh, totally. you know, and totally. those colors were meant to engender appetite, mm-hmm. certain mm-hmm. choices, mm-hmm. you know, and I have to probably say I've got some karma around that manipulation <laughs> to deal with. Um, but, you know, <laughs> well, we've um, all got that. <laughs> what's the what's the tip me more color? That's what I want to know. <laughs> we, we never could figure that one out. You know, and, and by the way, I, I, you know, we're talking about color. We, we see it in our lives everywhere. And I'm just curious, and I don't mean to throw you a curveball here narrowly, but um, this came up in a conversation we had in one of our shows maybe a couple of months ago. And this had to do with the use of black. The, a lot of clergy in particular mm-hmm. will wear black. Is that meant to be a humility or, I mean, it's a, it's a lack of color? Yeah, it, you know? it, because the, the, the color black is really mm. not a color. It's an absence of absence color. Absence of color, yeah. And right. so it probably has to do way back in terms of humility and uh, self-abnegation. But um, mm. it's come to also be associated with death, yeah. and the consciousness of death. Yeah. So a lot of clergy are just, you know, you can have really bright robes. Uh, I'm a minister with our church, and my robe's white and purple. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, and I've you seen know, it. So, it's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Uh, when I grew up, I had uh, the Sisters of Mercy. Mm-hmm. which I think perhaps is an oxymoron, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. It doesn't but, describe my sister that. No, not <laughs> but, at all. But they were black as I, when I was quite young. But at a certain point, I think it was after the um, first ecumenical council, 
Mm-hmm. They changed, mm-hmm. and suddenly they were wearing these beautiful powder blue mm-hmm. habits. Mm-hmm. The wimples were still white, I think, mm-hmm. and others, but they went from black to blue, and I think everybody liked them a lot better. Yeah. yeah well, the sisters yeah. probably did, too. Oh, yeah. felt better. I'm sure. Well, having worn a uniform in this life and many others, I, <laughs> there's, a, there's a good thing about that. Yeah. Uh, my favorite colors are camouflage. Um, <laughs> well, um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we spoke of the threefold flame and the fact that it's possible to lose mm. this flame through excessive and violent emotion, for example. Right. Is it also possible to lose our aura? Well, we always have some kind of aura, but it can be greatly diminished through various means, you Mm -hmm. know. So your aura can actually lessen through ill health, poor lifestyle Mm -hmm. choices, and so forth. Um, The use of drugs, even choices in music, can really deplete your aura or expand Mm -hmm. it. So when you see those people whose lifestyle choices, such as, you know, maybe they're addicted to heroin, and you can look at them and they literally look like death warmed over and their aura is diminished, it can literally deplete their aura. And your soul can know that. So you can lose portions of your aura, but you're always going to have some kind of aura as long as you're in a physical body and embodied. Mm -hmm. Um, um, We've often heard it said that the the eyes are the windows of the soul. Is there some way in which the eyes are also the window of the aura? I mean, the well, brightness. Totally, and, yeah. totally. And people's eyes can change moment to moment, mm-hmm. you know, and you can mm-hmm. tell. You just look at your child or look at your spouse and you can see if they're feeling pain or what's going on yeah. within them. So, right. yeah, totally. It's a better indication. Mm. Well, you know, assuming that the aura can't lie, could we? <laughs> Could we accurately, in other words, what you're going through uh, is, is, you know, you know where I'm going with this one. Uh, um, yeah, unfortunately, I do. Yes, can, we, can we do a bit of truth detection? <laughs> truth know? detection? You, you know, mean like okay. a lie detector? Something like that, yeah. Okay, yeah. well. Flip it over to the truth detector. Yeah, yeah. it's a problem because the word foolproof and reading auras is just not foolproof because it's filtered through our yeah. consciousness. Yeah. Right. Yours or somebody else's. But in a perfect world, you could see one another's auras and all everything would just be apparent, shouted from the housetops, as we heard Mm. in the last clip. And that's what happens in a golden age. You would see an illness before it actually develops, and you could just right away correct it and keep your aura pure and avoid the situation in the first place. Mm. And that's where we're going. That's where we're aiming for. Yeah, self-diagnosis. So so a little bit of a a curveball on this one. Uh, Tom got one. I get one, too. Um, And that is (laughs) a a sinker. Do I get one? (laughs) (laughs) You get to get them all. All right. Um, Is is to think about the concept of, uh, you know, when somebody says, I have a hunch about this, right? You oh. know, or I have a feeling about yeah. that or whatever. Uh, to me, that's, that might actually be you're not seeing the other person's aura, but it's definitely touching yours and affecting you. And it's almost like a premonition of, oh, goodness, you know, something's, something's wrong or, yeah. you know, or whatever. Uh, can you tell us about that? Well, I think you're really tuning in. And uh, our auras bump into one another. We impact. We mm-hmm. mesh. Mm-hmm. And so you can tune in or perceive something that's not visual, but you're feeling it, mm-hmm. and your Christ self, your higher self will say, pay attention to that. Yeah. It's like that little tap on the shoulder, the angel <laughs> saying, watch it, you know, uh-huh. this is dangerous, don't mm-hmm. go there. And we all know those situations where you go there and you really wish you hadn't, or if you obeyed your intuition, you were saved. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Um, you're a physician. Mm-hmm. And have you had occasion on your own to use your sensitivities in this regard to aid healing with your patients? Well, I said 
last time that it's almost as if diseases have calling cards and and I think any expert in any field Mm -hmm. will develop this kind of intuition so I don't think I'm unusual. I'll give you one example. Um, I was sitting in for a doctor who was on vacation and a woman, one of his regulars came in for her usual prescription for (laughs) a constipation medicine and something about it just didn't feel right. So I asked her a few questions and said, do you mind if I take a blood test? Because my intuition was saying, thyroid and thyroid mm-hmm. disease oh. can slow down everything including right. uh, your colon so took some blood uh, the results came back after I'd left and apparently she was like rock bottom oh they've never seen wow. so little thyroid in a person's blood and um, they put her on the supplements uh, she did great her family traced me down mm-hmm. and said thanks for giving us back our grandmother she's just oh, a different my. person mm-hmm. and that was just totally intuition there was something in her aura that just bumped into my aura and my higher <laughs> self said pay attention mm-hmm. and it was it was like a tiny little flash and you have to pay attention to those tiny right. little instincts now, but i think we all do it it's the hunches we're talking about well and i think too that we we have that that um not to second guess ourselves but there are many times where we think i knew that yeah i should have listened yeah. it was just right there in front of yeah. me but i didn't oh, pay how attention. many times do we do oh. um i've always wondered this uh, again here's another um this is a a slow curve there we go the organs in the body that are in proximity to the various chakras. Mm-hmm. For example, we, mm-hmm. we, we talked about this before. Yeah. We know the heart chakra, mm-hmm. which, by the way, will be the subject of next week's show. Yes. Mm-hmm. A little plug there. Is in an area where we could see it as pink if it's, mm-hmm. you know, pure. What about the organs? For example, like the thyroid, I think, is nearer mm-hmm. the throat Well, the thyroid is connected to the throat chakra, which is the yeah. power center, which right. is blue. And so it can be connected with power or misuse of power. But you might see the thyroid as a healthy blue. If it's yes. healthy yeah. So you can visualize mm-hmm. it. You can, okay. you, can, you can work it the other way. So our stomachs. Well, we can do that whole creation thing. Yeah. <laughs> hey. Literally, if you know you have a challenge yeah. with yeah. one of your organs, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, work on the chakra next to it. Well, we've done that with yeah, our okay. daughter, you know, showing her the different organs, you know, pictures mm-hmm. of the organs, et cetera, healthy organs and things mm-hmm. like that. You can kind of superimpose your, your violet flame over it and, mm-hmm. you know, do some work on it. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, uh, we're, we're out of time for our segment, uh, but really quickly, uh, we're kind of in an area now where we understand that, that having a knowledge is power no. and powerful. So can perceiving the aura in detail in another person be a little bit like eavesdropping? <laughs> you know? Boy, that's a loaded question. We kind of pushed that one um, before. Well, yeah, yeah. knowledge is power, but it's also responsibility. So it depends on where you put your consciousness. Yeah. Hopefully, if you're a developed soul who's seeing auras, you're going to be responsible. And you're not going to do anything negative with that. Right. But we know that there are irresponsible people and they do that. In fact, that's really the definition of a black magician. They'll mm. manipulate your aura. They'll tune into you. Yep. And they'll know you better than right. you know yourself. So that, to answer the question, it's not really eavesdropping because our auras are broadcasting stations anyway. <laughs> yeah. They're it's beacons. Open. <laughs> um, yeah. But you just – the really underlying that question is really what am I sending out? Yeah. yeah. You know, well, why would I be worried about that except maybe I'm not sending out well, stuff that I know rule. I shouldn't. So maybe I better do that. What the about golden the golden rule? Yeah. You know, it's yeah. like do, do to others that you would have them do to you. Yeah. And that's why yeah. it's golden. Yeah, well, we've got to take a break here, Mm -hmm. but we'll be right back for more with Dr. Nerly Duffy as we explore various dimensions of the human aura. Don't go away. The new home for visionary positive change. Seventh Wave Network. 
Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? And how do I get there? These are some of the basic questions we all ask ourselves on the spiritual path, and the answers we find certainly vary. Who are you? You are a child of God, and as a child of God, you carry within you the seed of actually becoming God. This seed is your Christ self, the same in you that is in Jesus Christ. Why are you here? To master yourself in order to graduate from Earth's schoolroom and reunite with the heart of God. Essentially, you are following in the footsteps of Jesus and other great saints and sages who have gone before. Where are you going? Home. Call it nirvana, the hereafter, the heaven world, whatever you want. It's the next stop on your journey. And finally, how do you get there? Let us show you how. Visit us at www.tsl.org. We are the Summit Lighthouse. We practice and publish the teachings of the Ascended Masters, and we've got answers to all of your questions. Visit tsl.org today. The Summit Lighthouse. Master yourself. Become God. Now there's a new destination for video content, voiceamerica.tv, just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7, voiceamerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us support. You. Taking you to the threshold of a dream and beyond. Seventh Wave Network. You are listening to The Open Door, hosted by Ross Brunson and Tom Schumacher. If you have a question or comment about our series, please send your emails to webradio at tsl.org. That's webradio at tsl.org. Now, back to The Open Door. We're back for our final segment today with Dr. Nerly Duffy. Let's, let's talk a little more about the accuracy of the aura as an indication of, say, a person's emotional or spiritual or mental or physical being. I mean, do you think the aura is inherently accurate? Is it it possible for the aura to mm, dissimulate or lie? That's a really good question. I think it's not common. I think it's possible, and I definitely think it happens. Mm -hmm. Um, Just as we were talking, you were talking earlier about people seeming nice on the outside and they're kind of stabbing Mm -hmm. you in the back. And it is possible for people to put an outer coating on the aura to disguise mm. what is beneath. This definitely happens, and there are people who do that who manipulate energy. But eventually, it comes out. Yeah. So could it, could it be, and this just occurred to me as you were talking about that, is that the aura probably really isn't necessarily lying for them, mm. but they might be manipulating That's you true. Uh, in such mm-hmm. a way that you're then not able to pierce that that yeah. veil, that perception. Yeah. But they can also put a coating on their own aura. Okay. In other words, they okay. can put light on the outside to cover mm-hmm. the darkness. Mm-hmm. And eventually, though, the aura kind of what we call turns inside out, and eventually the blackness will come out, and it'll become obvious to everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I remember in the 70s and 80s when the uh, self-fulfillment um, programs were rife, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, there were a m- number of mantras, one of which was act as if. Act as if. Where you would pretend, at least, you know, you would, you would help yourself to believe in something that perhaps you weren't fully embracing yet, but you were advancing the notion that you could become this being and that people could, I'm assuming now, 
could manipulate the quality of their aura based on the strength of that mantra or whatever it was they were using. Would that be accurate to say? Well, that's definitely true. People can do that. You know, you can affirm and affirm mm-hmm. and affirm mm-hmm. that something is manifesting, and to a certain extent it will. Yeah. Now, you can take that and flip it around and affirm the light within you, mm-hmm. and that's a great way to do it. You know, well, you can actually act as if you are the child of the light that you believe that you are, and eventually you'll become it. And which is the truth, yes. Yeah, which is the truth. Well, and that's that practice to be yeah. perfect. Yeah. You know, that really yeah. is the, you know, that's the, that was the whole thing when somebody said, you know, if you're writing your resume, you know, you're yeah. writing your resume and, and, and in that block at the top that says, you know, what you want to do, it doesn't say, what have you been doing necessarily? It says, this is <laughs> right. where I want to yeah. go yeah. and here's my qualifications and why you should take a, you know, take a leap with me. Oh, yeah. And, and, and I'm also remembering uh, people who would describe themselves in a certain way. They would say, well, I'm, I'm very cerebral. You know, I, I tend to live in my head. Mm-hmm. And the people who are listening to this or looking at this person and they're thinking, he has a huge heart. Yeah. You know, he's, he's, he's not aware yeah. of his own aura. You know, we've been talking around this kind of subject that right. we might, by virtue of having gotten certain feedback or been feeding back to ourselves certain beliefs that are in contraindication to the actual quality of the aura that we are exhibiting to other people. Mm -hmm. Have you seen that in people who are so determined to believe a certain thing that they have, (laughs) I mean, they're blind. Yeah. Yeah. And that brings us to the whole subject of how you perceive yourself and how Mm -hmm. accurate you are about yourself and Mm -hmm. what you're manifesting. And it does need us to every now and again, take a reality check and say, you know, what am I really manifesting? And what, In what ways can I improve? You know, this is one of the, 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 the key components of the decree. As we've spoken mm-hmm. of many times before, yeah. there is uh, obviously a very highly affirmative quality in these decrees. And the decrees engender certain colors. You know, we, mm-hmm. we do blue decrees mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. Uh, we do the green, you know, the mm-hmm. abundance for decrees. Healing. And so for healing. Yeah. yeah. And we're supposed to visualize. Well, yeah. and in fact, we are, as I think uh, you know, uh, Mrs. Prophet said earlier, we are building the force field in our chakras and in our beings and our auras based on what we feed it. Mm-hmm. So like we were saying a moment ago, yeah. you know, with act as if, mm-hmm. a decree in a way is kind of like that. I mean, it's, it's reinforcing something that we want and it's reinforcing a truth about us mm-hmm. that as we do it more, we become more consciously aware of it. Yeah. So, um, and that's changing your aura, isn't it? It's it. As I was moment say, by moment. Yeah. Well, it's changing it from the inside, isn't it? Well, but yeah, it's how other people experience it from the outside. Right. You know? and, yeah. um, I was going to ask you something about this. Um, the Last week, uh, in the chakra, particularly the one that's purple flecked with gold, um, can you distinguish that gold from the yellow of the crown chakra? This is now the gold in the solar plexus mm-hmm. area. Is there some way we well, can differentiate this Well, there's one that's two? kind of a, a glowy, sunny, uh, cheerful, happy, you know, happy uh-huh. sun. And the gold is a little bit deeper and um, more oh, royal mm-hmm. and more okay. magnificent, I would say. No. No, I'm, the, I'm a, the kind of guy that goes into the paint store and gets the really, store. really confused by, <laughs> by all the so different many, so many colors. sea foam green. Buttercup and, yellow. That's right, yeah. right. Jonquil. I mean, what yeah. is oatmeal, really? That's what I, I want to know. Well, you know, we were really a little bit surprised in the level of interest that people had in the aura. I, yeah. And because we've studied it a lot, we kind of take it a little bit for granted. Yeah. Um, it's why, kind of a given. Why do you think that this is such a topic for everybody? Yeah. Because I think it's so much a part of who and what we are, and yet we're just so 
unaware of it. It's almost like mm-hmm. it's just below the threshold of consciousness. And yet we're all doing it. We're just not realizing that our auras are there and we're reading yeah. them. It's free. It doesn't cost anything. It's <laughs> liberating. Um, there's simple practical examples mm-hmm. that you can use. And I, I think it's fascinating because it, it just is and it's there and and we're just all tuning into it, but we're just not quite there. Do you think it's also that this is kind of like one of the ultimate do-it-yourself projects? You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Yeah, it's like it's ongoing. It's like it how, never ends. How to go home, Depot. Yeah. You know what I mean? You can <laughs> sit down. You can work on it. You can you yeah. can actually you know co-create with God again, as we yeah. talked about. Oh yeah. Well, but it's it, but so it's some, helpful. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's like oh, I can get better. Yeah, I can get better. And I can, I can do improve. I kind of do it myself too. Yeah. And, and yeah. for a guy, this is the shop you get to carry with you all the time. That's right. Yeah. That's. <laughs> Is there a special tool that you need for that? <laughs> well, I always look forward to buying more power tools. You know, you know how that goes. <laughs> um, do you feel that people are drawn to the aura in the same way that they're drawn to God? Uh, in fact, could each search be driven by the same desire, you know, to know God? I think it's part of it because I think that that desire to know God is really deep within all of us. Because when you think about it, you are God mm-hmm. and your aura is God. So deep down, we're searching to become more of God. And, you know, that's why one of our latest books is Becoming God, yeah. because we're becoming it. Mm-hmm. And if we just put more and more of it on each day, we're going we're gonna to get where we want to go, which is to go home. Well, that's right. and that's one of those subjects we have spoken to many mm-hmm. times about self-mastery mm-hmm. and the accountability that comes with actually taking charge of your own spiritual growth it isn't mm-hmm. up to somebody else to do it for you you don't get a get out of jail free card mm-hmm. it's no. it's you yeah, well, the I've easiest got, way out of it is through yeah mm-hmm. well i've got a little curveball for you guys okay i'll tell you a little aura story and see <laughs> okay. what you make of this is this an oratory um, oratory yes. of an aura story um one couple i know they've been married for years and years but when they first came to our organization um they weren't actually married they just acted as if they were and people assumed and so they never disabused people of that nope. and at one point after a couple of years Mrs. Prophet came up to them and said, you know, um, I know you two aren't married because I see that your auras are separate and not blended. Oh, wow. And would you like to get married? So she did the wedding ceremony for them. And I thought, isn't that fascinating? When you get married Mm -hmm. in a ceremony that Mm -hmm. is conducted by a minister, rabbi, or whatever, your auras actually unite. They merge. They merge. Mm -hmm. And you become one. So I thought that was kind of fascinating. Well, you know, we also have a book, The Human Aura, uh, which you can get by going to the bookstore and tsl.org forward slash 1483. Uh, and this contains uh, studies of the human aura by the Ascended Master Kutumi and intermediate studies of the human aura by the Ascended Master Dual Cool. And in this, Kutumi re- reveals the mysteries of the human aura, both from the meaning of colors to how you can strengthen and purify and expand and protect your aura. And Dual Cool also reveals the science of the chakras and the relationship to the aura. So it's a fine companion piece to what we've been talking about for the last couple of episodes. Yeah, you know, I, and thank you, Ross, for that. Uh, What you just said a moment ago uh, reminded me of something about cosmic law. Mm. And I I think that's perhaps what you're intimating in Mm -hmm. part is that until the the ritual Mm -hmm. or the sacrament has Mm -hmm. been engaged, Mm -hmm. then that merging doesn't occur. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people who feel that they are spiritually married Mm -hmm. are in fact not Mm -hmm. because they are, and again, I don't mean Mm -hmm. to make this a negative comment, but 
there is but, not lawful. And it's true, mm-hmm. and there, there are just spiritual laws, and, and we don't even know that they exist. Our souls know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we may, they may have been handed down through various religions or whatever, but ultimately... Um, you bump up against a spiritual law and you realize, oh, okay, <laughs> yeah. um, I better, I better get pay in attention. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, a good analogy for this is the, you know, when, when you're not married and you're dating or, when, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. in that time when you decide to merge your bank accounts. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it's a there's a mantle. Similar, yeah. <laughs> there's a mantle. Yeah. There's a, there's a test too sometimes. Yeah. And merging your yeah. household. Yeah. yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's really is yeah. symbolic in many ways of, of this commitment that you've decided to make. Oh, totally. Yeah. Well, uh, that's all the time we yeah, have this week. Again, so I go so, yeah. so fast. Well, uh, Dr. Duffy, thank you so much. I mean, you're always so consistent and engaging, and I love it. Um, please join us again next week when our program will focus on the heart and the heart chakra. It's all okay. about love. Yep. Until then, remember, though the upward path may be difficult, the rewards are out, out of, of this, this world. world. All right. Thanks, everybody. Again, for joining us this week for The Open Door. This program is broadcast live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. For more information about The Open Door and the Summit Lighthouse, please visit our website at www.tsl.org. We'll see you again next week.